Can we just give it up for how God's been at work? I love Adam's heart in that and sharing that with us. And that leads us to the series that we're currently in called Foundations for the Valley. Say that with me on three, one, two, three, Foundations for the Valley. And Foundations for the Valley is really about the season that we find ourselves in as a church, as we're at this crossroads, and as we're looking towards our future home, as our lease here ends in 2025, May 31st, 2025, the landlord's made it really clear that he doesn't know what he's ultimately going to do, but he can't commit to long-term leasing with us. He's not at that point in his life to do that. And so that put us in a, first of all, we're grateful that he told us, right, before we started to, to put more and more and more resources in this as we were looking to do. But the other part that it did is it showed us that in the midst of all that was in front of us, that we needed to make a decision to what it is and discern what God had, had for us. Where was he guiding and how was he going to provide for us? And that leads us to where we are now with Foundations for the Valley, which really not only signifies a season, but really talks about a vision and a heart for our church and ministry. Because at the heart of this, we really believe that a facility is never just for us the end goal. The facility only facilitates the mission and the vision that God has for us. Let me say that again for you, in case you didn't hear that. The facility is not the end goal. The facility just facilitates the mission and the vision that God has for us here at Riverbend. And so Foundations for the Valley, that, that title talks about the next generation. Our, our kids' ministry is called Foundations. And we also, when we think about the future foundation that we're building, we're thinking of them as well as our middle school and high school students, as well as our college students, as well as our young adults and young professionals. We're thinking about the future. We're thinking about the next generation. We're thinking about how we help not only them encounter and experience Christ, but how that really impacts how we're going to go about what, what it is that we're doing as we build our foundation on Jesus and have in front of us the next generation, just like Jesus did. You know, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, he never said it ends with me. No, this is actually to continue when I leave. He poured into a few, and those few were to pour into others. Same idea here. That's the vision of what we're talking about. And the next part is for the valley, that it's never about us alone. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist to really serve as Jesus served and to share who he is with all people. We believe that God has put us in a unique opportunity and place and time to join him for such a time as this. And for us to experience all that he has for us to walk into, it does require for us to process what we're going to do in the middle of a crossroads like this. Because we all have a decision to make in that. We all have a part to play in that. And so to help us do that, we've been looking at the posture of God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. And as the nation of Israel was leaving Egypt, they left Egypt, they were told that they were going to inherit a promised land. A promised land was there and it, theirs, and it was flowing with milk and honey. These are the descriptors that are given. And so they start to explore the land as God was talking to Moses and said, find 12 leaders. I want you to identify 12 leaders from the 12 tribes to go out and explore the land. And so as we've been in that, we've been seeing what they did and how they came back. And I just want to 
make sure that we're all on the same page for a point of review. So I wanna give you a couple things that help highlight where we've been so far. And the first question that we gave throughout this series is really simple. Do you want to go to the promised land? Do you want to go to the promised land? For them, it was a specific location. For you, that's part of it for us as we're looking at our future home as a church. But there are areas in our life that God wants to bring deliverance, healing, and hope into. There's places where he wants his mighty hand to be experienced and to lead us in our lives. And so it's not limited to, to where we're going as a church, as far as a space or a building. There may be an ongoing issue that you have. It may be a hurt. It may be a hangup. It may be an addiction. It may be for you, as we've talked through this campaign, many of us, things start to come to the surface that we haven't addressed in some time, especially when it comes to maybe church hurt. And I've encouraged you in the midst of this, we want you to experience Jesus's healing hand in the midst of that. And we, if we're honest, we all have hurt. We all have pain. We all have things where we've fallen short. Uh, the question isn't whether that's happened. The question is, are we going to join Jesus in the midst of those places, in the midst of those pain points in our lives? Again, you won't go if you aren't willing to grow. This is what we said through this series, that you won't go if you aren't willing to grow. You can't go where God's asking you to go if you're not willing to grow. Is there a humility in you? Is there a teachability? Is there a, a saying to God and to others, hey, I'm willing to to grow. I, I believe change is possible, not by my power, not by my might alone, but as I join with God in what he has for me. I believe change is possible in me, through me, and around me. I believe that he can do that. And then as, as we said last week, there were 12 spies, and 10 of the spies came back with paralyzing fear. They had paralyzing fear. <clears throat> and then two spies had activating faith. And again, fear and the lack of fear in the midst of having faith isn't a matter of having really good questions and being honest about what's going on. We need to define reality. But for them, what was going on is in the midst of what was taking place is that they gave this report and this report started to spread throughout, throughout the whole tribe and the whole nation of Israel. And it started to lead to some disastrous results and responses. And we're going to see what happens here in just a, a minute in the midst of, of what's taken place in the nation of Israel. But the question I asked you last week is, are you feeding fear or faith? Are you feeding fear or faith? Which one are you feeding? Which one is it that you're feeding? Which one is it that you are giving focus and attention to? Which one is it that you are saying, hey, I'm gonna starve this or I'm gonna feed this? Because they both have massive appetites, by the way. Both fear and faith have massive appetites. And so we need to examine in our own lives, which one are we feeding? And that leads us to today, which is this simple question, will you be willing to sacrifice to fulfill God's promise? Will you be willing to sacrifice to fulfill God's promise? To fulfill God's promise. Will you be willing to do that? And sacrifice for us really needs to come to the point where we look at our lives 
And as we look at our lives and we say before God, as I look at what it is you have for me specifically, I'm willing to give as you're asking me to give of my time, my treasure, my talents. But I'm going to let you set what that is. What is that for my life? Because when he asks us to do something, it is always for our benefit and the benefit of others. And so as we think about that, as we consider that, yes, let's, let's just give it up. I don't know what that was, but praise God, we figured it out. Yeah. I was like, man, there's something going on. There's the spirit is hovering over here. And I was like, maybe I'm the only one that hears it, but then it looked, I could see everybody's like, what is going on here? Uh, but yes, there was like a, a something going on here, but great. Thank you. It was a buzz. There was, it was a buzz. Something was spreading. So anyways, in the midst of that, it's for us, it's about what are we willing to sacrifice? Because what we said is that fear and faith are contagious, right? And part of faith is lived out in sacrifice. So when I sacrifice, it's contagious to others. Because that's a part of fear, or excuse me, part of faith living, right? It's saying, hey, I'm faith-filled in this. And we said again, as we're going to be people who walk with God, we have to examine in our own lives, which one are we going to give attention to? Which one are we going to focus in on? Because we have an opportunity in front of us, just like the nation of Israel had an opportunity in front of them. And our response to that, our humility in the midst of it, our dependence upon the Lord, our trusting in who he is and his character and how he's shown up again and again, will really dictate whether we're going to experience all that he has for us. With that in mind, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me. We're going to be in Numbers 14. Numbers 14. And as we read this passage, I just want you to pay attention because for them, there was a specific land. And I know for us, we're like, we know God has somewhere for us to go. We're praying and discerning for that. But the big thing I want you to take away as we're in this series, what's their posture throughout? Because our posture is a key part for us experiencing all that God has for us. Either your posture can cause you to miss what he has for you or to experience all that he has for you. Your posture. And so that leads us to right here in Numbers 14. And again, this Old Testament book. But listen to what it says here. It says right here, it says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And again, they, they're raising their voices. They wept aloud. This is about the report of the 10 that says, we cannot do this. We cannot go to this land. We're like grasshoppers compared to these giants in the land. They were talking about what they could do versus what these people who were the giants could do, how the land would swallow them alive. But they didn't talk about God at all in it. They didn't talk about what God could do. Their perspective was on them. And so all the community, all the members of the community, say that with me, all the members of the community, not a few. This is hundreds of thousands of people, by the way. All the community, because fear again spreads, spreads like life spreads, like pink eye spreads. It's contagious. Faith does the same thing. And when you got 10 leaders saying one thing and two leaders saying another thing, and the focus isn't on who God is and what he's able to do, this is the byproduct. This is the byproduct. When God's will is something that we say, you know, let's just take a vote on it. Let's take a vote on God's will. We know God has said this. We know he's made it clear to us. 
But let's just say, how many of you guys think this is really something that we should do? Yay or nay? We're in dangerous territory. That's a posture problem. That's a posture problem. And that's what's going on here. When God's will is up for debate, what he has made clear, he made it clear to them, you're to do this. Ah, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Appreciated the offer. But we got this report from the 10. It's not going to work out for us. You know, maybe if you did this, 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 and this, we would consider it. It's like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. I think someone forgot who's God and who's not. And he goes on, it goes on to say this, verse 2. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, and I want you to say this in your, your best whiny voice. I want you to read this out loud to, 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 with me. Your best whiny voice. You ready? On three. One, two, three. If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. <laughs> oh. So they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. Welcome to leadership. In case you're wondering what leadership is, this is leadership. This is what it looks like. Grumbling. Complaining. Man, it would be better. They said if we had only died in Egypt, it would be better. Or in the wilderness. If only we had died. If only we had experienced that. If only that had been our situation. And then listen to what they keep doing. And I want to invite you as much as you feel you're able to read along with me this, this next verse in your, in your whiny Whiny voice, these next two verses here. Ready? On three, one, two, three. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. By the way, Egypt is not awesome. Just for FYI, in case you're not familiar with that story or you're new to church or you're checking out what it means to follow Jesus, Egypt is the place that they were held in captivity. They were slaves, but it was familiar and it was what they knew. And isn't that true for us? We paint pictures of Egypt, as Sarah Grove says so well in her song. We paint pictures of Egypt not because we think it was amazing in itself. It's just what we know. And when we know what we know, there's a comfort there versus where God is painting a new picture for us to go. But it's unfamiliar. And when I can't see how it's going to all work and it's not all in my hands and I can't control a lot of the variables, I want to go back to what I do know, the past. I want to go back to Egypt and for them, that was literal Egypt. For us, that's in our own story as well. Because no one likes to be uncomfortable, but that's where we actually grow and change. That's where God shows up. That's where God can only do what God can do. But we paint this picture of what it is that we think the past was like. And we make it maybe more idyllic than it really was. We forget so many parts of the story because we're afraid of what the future may hold. And so they say, we should choose a, a, a leader and go back to Egypt. 
Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to slavery. How many of you guys think that sounds fun? Show of hands. Anybody? <laughs> this person just being a knucklehead. That's all right, though. We, we love you. But, you know, in the midst of it, like, we all are guilty of this, aren't we? The thing that we know has enslaved us, and we need freedom from and have experienced freedom from. When things get tough, things are uncertain, things are difficult, we're tempted to go back. Because, again, we know it. We can control it. We have some sense of what to expect. But then this is the place where God has us all, isn't it? Where he's deepening our dependence and trust. Where he's inviting us to do, let him do what only he can do. Even when he's made it clear to them, they still, like us, question. Even though they saw him bring them out of Egypt, by the way. They... they were brought out of Egypt. They were brought out of slavery, not by their own hand, not by their own strength, not by their own power, not by their own military fortitude, but by God doing it. But they forgot. And they said, let's go back. Let's go back. And it continues on here. It says, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there says this, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephani, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, let's read this out to, together, a lot on, together on three, one, two, three. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And so Joshua and Caleb were two of the spies. These were two of the 12 spies that went. And so when they're face down in front of the assembly and they're tearing their, their shirt, their clothes, this is signifying the magnitude of what's in front of them. They knew the crossroads that was in front of them and what this meant. What this meant by them not doing what it is that God had for them. And it says this, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not, what's the word here? Do not rebel. Do not rebel against the Lord. This isn't about, hey, I like this plot of land better than this plot of land, preference. <laughs> no, this is about God said go here, and I'm unwilling to go. Rebellion. God has asked me to go here, I'm refusing to. Rebellion. God's inviting me to step here. Mm, no, 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 no. Rebellion. Rebellion is doing the things that we know not to do, that God makes clear, but also doing, not doing the things he's asked of us to do. What is he calling us forward to? There's rebellion here. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the, read that with me, Lord is with us. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Again and again, they make it clear. They say, hey, let's take our eyes off us for a minute. Let's have perspective that's proper. Let's not rebel against what God has for us. Let's not make ourselves 
the object of everything as far as what life is meant to be lived and we're the author of our lives versus God is the author of our lives and he knows what's best. Again, let's not rebel against God. Again, let's see how he's already at work, that he's with us. And this phrase, the Lord is with us, comes up again and again throughout Scripture. And this is what gives us the confidence and the courage no matter where we are. Whether we're on the hilltop of life, the Lord is with us. We're on the bottom of the pit, the Lord is with us. Whether we're in a circumstance that is everything that we ever wanted, the Lord is with us. Whether things are falling apart with our, our life, work-wise, health-wise, you fill in the blank, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. And the Lord was with them. And he says, do not be afraid of them. Have the right kind of fear. And there's a scriptural type of fear that speaks of a reverence and awe. Let's not have a reverence and awe of these people and of this place. Let's have a reverence and awe of the one who's made everything, the one who brought us out of Egypt, the one who goes with us, the one true God. Where are you giving and who are you giving your reverence and awe to? We're all doing it. And that may be ourselves, that may be somebody else, but is it to the one true God? Through Jesus, we've had the ability to have a right standing and right relationship with him. And he's made a way through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Well, it continues on here, and it says, but the whole assembly talked about stoning them. So their warnings really were received pretty well. And in case, <laughs> again, you know, and, and in case you're wondering, I know we're in 2023, this is not a reference to medical marijuana. In case you're like, this is literally like, we're going to pick up rocks and stone them. Like, we're taking them out. We're going to take them out. This is how rebellious they were. This is how hard their hearts were. This is how uncomfortable they were with being made uncomfortable. They were willing to take out the leaders that God had appointed. And it goes on to say this, then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the tent of meeting is a reference to a sanctuary that they, they built out that they could carry with them, where God showed up. And it says this, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them. How long will these people treat me with contempt? Contempt is another way to say disdain. It's, oh, I can't stand you. And, and they weren't saying it specifically about God, but it was the way of life that they were living where they were unwilling to sacrifice that spoke of a contempt because they didn't trust his character. They didn't trust his character. And so he says, again, how long will they treat me this way? How long will they treat me with contempt? How long will they not trust me, which is another way to say believe, that I'm at work in their lives and that I'm the one that goes before them. And so that, that brings us to this, this slide that really is a question for us to think about. Are you more concerned with your personal comfort or God conforming you to Christ? 
Which one are you more concerned about? And I know all of us at times have been more concerned with our personal comfort, including me. So this is not like a throw shade at somebody else. I've never struggled with that. No, we all have, right? But before us in our lives are these two opportunities, personal comfort or conforming to the likeness of Christ. And conforming isn't always uh, that something has to be necessarily painful per se. That's part of it. Sometimes it's the joys that he brings to our lives, right? But oftentimes that happens in the uncomfortable. It comes in an invitation that we didn't see coming. There's a way he's asking us to step into something. There's areas he's wanting to grow in us. I think about even as we're in foundations for the valley. And the, the things that God's doing in me through this process, beyond what the outcome is going to be, I'm grateful for. But I can't experience that if I'm unwilling to join him. If I'm unwilling to go with him and experience what he has for me. It's really clear the Lord is with us. The question is, will we be with the Lord? <laughs> will we walk with him in that kind of way? And this brings us to this point here. We don't serve a God who suffers from scarcity, but is, un, but is abundantly adequate to meet all our needs. Do you know this about the God that we serve? He does not suffer from scarcity. And I think oftentimes when we have a scarcity mindset, it's because we have not seen God for who he truly is and have a perspective at his might, majesty, and power and what he's able to do and how he's worked in our lives. And, and scarcity just means I've got to hold on. It's like this. I'm living my life like this. Uh, abundance isn't about even the amount that you have. It's about posture. It's about posture because whether you know it or not, we are some of the wealthiest people in the whole wide world. Sometimes we forget that, right? We're like thinking, oh man, I don't have this or that. Yeah, I understand but the whole wide world, we have a lot. We have a lot. Well, my problem is like, I got to think about when I'm going to be able to stop and, and grab some coffee on a drive-thru on the way here this morning. I've got a lot. That literally happened to me this morning. How am I going to fit that in? How am I going to get my, my, my cup of coffee on my way here this morning? A mindset. And, and this is what is so key, because I, I don't want you to miss this. Jesus made it really clear that this mindset is really tied into what's going on in our heart. And if you read through, we're going to actually take some time. I want to read this teaching from Jesus as it's part of what he would talk about. But I want you to see how he ties back in how we view our resources, whether it's scarcity or abundance, to really this way of experience the life that we were called to. Because we can't see God for who he truly is if we don't understand all that he has trusted and entrusted us with and how we go about handling this. So this is Jesus. So if you're here and you're like, man, I'm only about the parts that Jesus taught. Well, perfect. This is for you. This is for you. These are red letters. These are red letters here. Matthew 6, all right? Red letters. Matthew 6. Listen to what it says here in verse 19. It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin 
do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your what will be? There your heart will be also. This is for our sake that he says this, FYI. And you may be like, man, he's just after my money. No, 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 he's after your heart. He's after your heart. And he goes on to say this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. All right, he's making it clear. You, you can't have two masters. And this isn't about being anti-good stewardship and financial planning. I know some of us who aren't good at that are like, oh, see, I knew. I knew, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like, I just like a free-for-all with resources. And like, I, I don't know where it's going. And, and all I kind of, that's not what he's getting at here. But he is talking about posture. What am I doing with what I possess in my hands? Does it possess me? Or do I possess it before the Lord as trusting in him? And then as you continue on through this passage, it says this in Matthew 6. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Say that with me. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Let's read this question out loud together. Are you not much more valuable than they? Consider how he takes care of all these things that are of less value than you. How he provides, how he cares for them. Think about even as we have a new season coming, all the, as I was driving over here, you start to see the leaves change colors. It's beautiful. You're reminded like there's a maker who's tending to these things and he's gonna take care of me as well. And it goes on to say this. It says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And worrying is another way of saying fear, being led by fear. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And Solomon, by the way, you may remember who Solomon was? Who was he? King David's son, what else about him? Wise, rich. He was a baller, all right? He had baller status. He had that drip, as they say, right? He had it going on. He had the best of the best. And yet, in the midst of this, he's saying, he's not dressed like one of these. He's connecting again, worry. Don't worry, because what can it do? Adding, does it add a single hour to your life? It doesn't. It just diminishes the power of being presently in today and missing what God has for us. And then it continues on. It says this, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little, what's the word here? Little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows you need them. He's attentive to what you need. He's very aware. He has more than enough. He doesn't have a scarcity problem. He's got more than enough. And then Jesus says this, and I actually want us to read this out loud together on three. One, two, three. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. And so Jesus makes it clear, the antidote for all this to make sure we're walking in an abundance mindset is to seek first one kingdom. Whose kingdom? You can't get that wrong in church, right? You can say, God, Jesus, you're out of right, right? Right, like his kingdom. We're seeking his kingdom first. We're about his kingdom agenda. We're about getting his kingdom ways here on the earth, joining King Jesus in his righteousness, the way in which life and the world is intended to operate. Even though we are in a broken world, we're intended to seek that first. We're not just getting into heaven Heaven's meant to get into us while we are here on the earth, and we're meant to bring it as much as possible to the earth, every square inch that our feet, feet are, and they land. And our church is to be about that as well. Again, therefore, he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? It's like, geez. Man, Jesus, you got me right here with that, right? It's true. It's so true in our lives. And when we're not fully present to what God's activity is, and that, again, happens when we're seeking first his kingdom, when we're coming before him, when we're asking him, what is your will and your way? What do you have for me? What it is that you desire for me? We miss out on being in line with his kingdom assignment for us. Because he's the king, he's got an assignment for each and every one of us, and we're intended to join him in that. And so seeking him first is saying, I've got my focus on you. I'm giving you access here to my life. I'm really seeking to walk in your ways. And you know what? God will take care of our needs. There's story after story of God doing that in my own life. Even this, let's, this is a crazy story. So I have an old, it's not really that old, a 2014 MacBook. And it stopped, I guess it is old. I guess it's an Apple, Apple world, it's, it's old, right? And, and for whatever reason, it stopped working. And people are like, it's, be like, it's old. It's old. I took it to the, the, the Apple store, met with a genius at the Genius Bar. If you're not familiar with Apple, they're like, sir, we, we can't do anything about this. Like, they're... We're trying, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. They're like, we can't. You're going to need to maybe send it in because all your files are gone. You know, they're not, they're not here. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. So they gave me a card. You could send it in here. They may be able to do something, you know, rescue. And I was like, all right. And right now, I just really honestly didn't have time to really worry about it. And, and in the midst of all of it, I was, <laughs> I was realizing how much I enjoy working on a MacBook versus like uh, – a tablet or an iPad or whatever. It's just the way I operate. And, and so one day, as I was getting stuff ready, I, I just, 
uh, I was getting ready for Sunday and, and getting the sermon together. I, I was praying. I was like, man, Lord, I really could use a laptop. And I just sensed him saying, hey, I want you to go into the garage and pull out that laptop and plug it in. I'm like, all right, this is like a long shot, you know, like, but I, hey, Lord, crazier things have happened, right? And I plugged it in, and lo and behold, it turned on. And I've been using it for the last couple of weeks. No problem, no issue. I don't know what happened, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I was reminded. He meet, yeah, Jesus, he meets, he meets our needs. And that seems simple, but that's a need, right? What are your needs? And how has he met them? So as we wrap up here, I want to give you a couple things. Are you treating God with contempt or as trustworthy? Are you treating God with contempt or as trustworthy? The nation of Israel treated him with contempt, disdain, unwillingness. Which is your response? Which is true of you? What is true of me? Again, are you treating God with contempt or as trustworthy? And then the next part is this. It's not about the size of the gift, but the size of the sacrifice. It's never about in our lives when we think about being open-handed and being open to God. God isn't concerned, do I give as much as somebody else, but rather, or live in a way that's generous compared to somebody else. No, no, no. It's about what's in my hands. Stop looking at somebody else. Seek first his kingdom, not your kingdom, not somebody else's kingdom, not the Instagram kingdom, his kingdom. What's his kingdom? What does he have for you? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. What's he saying to you, not to somebody else? And are you saying yes? Are you treating him with contempt? Are you putting his will up for a vote? Are you saying, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that? Once this, 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 this happens. It's conditional obedience. And whenever there's conditional obedience, again, we're missing the invitation to experience this life that Jesus promised is abundant and full. It's for our benefit that he gives us commands. It's, it's for our benefit that we experience what he has for us, the full measure of his love by doing what he asks us to do in response to what he's perfectly completed for us. Because Jesus himself is the model, right? Would you agree Jesus is the model of ultimate sacrifice? I mean, think about it. <laughs> he left heaven, came down to the earth. He was experienced everything that we have experienced, but was mistreated, wrongly accused, hung on a cross willingly. His body was torn for our sake because we were spiritually poor and because of what he did by giving sacrificially, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish, but would have eternal life. Like, think about that. He gave everything for us. So we have spiritual riches because Jesus became spiritually poor for our benefit through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. That's good news, friends. But that wasn't convenient. That wasn't somebody else is going to do it. Because I think a lot of times when we talk about this even, we're like, I'm okay with taking bold steps as long as somebody else does it. Someone else going to foot that bill? Someone else going to make that sacrifice? That's cool. Man, yes, yes. We're excited for that. Yes. 
But that's not how it works. Because he invites us in. Again, what sacrifices are you willing to make to step into the promised land? Again, sacrifice speaks of surrender. Sacrifice speaks of seeking first his kingdom in his righteousness and joining him with an open and abundance posture, not scarcity, not that I'm scared and walking in fear, but deeply dependent and trusting in him. And friends, this is an incredible season for us to walk with him in that way, to experience all that he has for us. But it will require sacrifice. It, and it won't be somebody else's sacrifice. Yes, it will involve somebody else's sacrifice in the sense that we have to do it together. Yes, that's true. But it won't just be one of us. It's meant to be us collectively together as God leads us. And this is all what God's asking of you is will you be willing to sacrifice? Because we can't experience what he has apart from sacrifice, apart from surrender, apart from seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he's inviting us in. And so I want to give you a couple things to take part in. We've been talking about these 40 days of prayer and fasting. Week one has already been completed. So we're already past week one. We're, in, we're starting week two, actually, tomorrow. So actually, we're still in week one. But week two starts tomorrow. Great content has been created by people who have helped to lead this uh, part of, of the ministry. So you can find those online. Uh, as far as daily readings have been created, it also lets you know what fasting is and gives you some helpful pointers. The other thing is community groups. We really believe that in order for us to experience life together, we saw the power of community in a negative way today, right? But the, the same is true on the other end. <laughs> like we can, we can encourage each other. We can know each other. We can live sent out of what it is that God has for us. And then the other thing is the all-church banquet, which is Sunday, October 15th, where we're going to talk even more detail about what it is that we're in, where it is we sense God's asking and inviting us into. And so I want to encourage you to RSVP today. Today's the last day to RSVP. It will really help us. We're just trying to make sure we've got everything squared away on that. There's a QR code out in the lobby area, so you can even just take that pick and take you where you need to go as far as a QR code and, and registering for it. But again, I just want you to know, as we continue to think about what it is that God has for us, I want you to be examining your posture throughout. Because that's what he's after first, our posture. And is our posture one of surrender? Is our posture one where we're willing to sacrifice? Knowing that at the end of the day, whatever sacrifice he has for us, he always has a way of not only meeting us in that sacrifice, to give us the strength to do it, but blessing us in ways that are beyond measure, ways that we cannot comprehend. But we can't experience that promised land apart from sacrifice. As the band comes up, I want to invite you to pray with me. Father, right now, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for every person here, God. I thank you for what it is that you've called us to. Lord, I'm reminded of what Jesus said very clearly. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be the God who is going with you. And Lord, I just pray for all of us, Lord. I pray that we would experience what it is that you've intended for us and that you have for us, God. I pray that 
uh, you, you would, uh, even in a small, still voice, whisper to us, Lord, with our time, treasure, and talents, what it is that you're inviting us into, God. And Lord, I pray that we would not be like the nation of Israel, but rather like Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua, who say, no, 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 this is the God who's able. This is the God who's able. Lord, I pray we would be a people who are growing with that type of faith and that type of focus in our lives, Lord. And I pray for any person here today who is new to not only Riverbend, but new to this idea of exploring who you are, Jesus, that today would be the day that they would put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, we'd love to follow up with them. So Lord, we thank you, and we pray that you would move and minister in this place, and that we would again say yes. Yes, without even knowing what you're going to ask of us. That our posture will always be yes, Jesus. You're worthy, and you're trustworthy. In your name we pray. Amen.